Hi, and welcome to the Bluff Church Podcast. Each week we bring you the Sunday message from the Bluff Church in Poplar Bluff, Missouri. If you like our podcast, we'd appreciate it if you take a moment and leave a review on your favorite listening platforms on iTunes or Google Play. Your review helps other listeners find our podcast. For more information about the Bluff, we invite you to visit our website at thebluff.church or our social media channels on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Just search for the Bluff Church. If you live in the Poplar Bluff area, we invite you to come be a part of the Bluff on any Sunday at 1027 a.m. in the ballroom of the Holiday Inn. Now here's this week's message. apologize I didn't go around shaking everyone's hands uh, welcome you to the bluff I'm a little bit of sick right now so I didn't want to spread any of the germs or get anyone else sick um, but I am glad that you guys are here I'm thrilled and honored that you guys are here um, to be a part of the bluff and what's going on as well and so if you don't happen to know who I am my name is Mason Powell I'm the teaching co-pastor here at the bluff and and we do this thing where at the beginning of every message, we take a moment to, to give honor to someone, um, to a particular group of people who serve or attend here at the church. And, and this morning, we're, we're not so much congratulating someone who served, but a group of people who attend here. So, and I want this to be special. So how about everyone who is under the age of 35 go ahead and stand up? Everyone. I know that's a little bit shy. Some of you are like, I wish I was still there. I, I get that. Okay. <laughs> Okay, so take a minute now. <laughs> Some of you are laughing like, oh, they're a liar. Okay, I get that. Take a minute and look around the room. All right. Now, here's why this group is special. Because this is the millennial and Gen Z generation. These are the two most difficult generations to reach with the gospel nowadays. And we have a good number in this church right here. And that is exciting because that means that God is moving in our midst and that we are doing our best to show that you guys matter. Because when I was growing up, the message that was always given to me was, well, you're not old enough. You have to be like 50 or older before you really matter in a church. But here, we don't believe that. Here, we believe that every single one of you matters. So let's give a round of applause for you guys. You guys can be seated. So starting off this morning, I want to start off with a confession. I'm not the best when it comes to romance. <laughs> surprise, surprise, okay? I really only have two things in my repertoire. I'm tall enough to reach the things on the top shelf, and I'm really good at cheesy dad jokes, okay? That's really all I have going for me. It's kind of a wonder that Jody ever fell in love with me, because in our dating relationship, I was more of a goofball than anything else. Some things never change. 
But the night I was going to propose to Jody, I was determined to prove something different, that I could be romantic. So I had this big plan in my mind of how this was going to look. And, and so we start off by going to this paint-your-own-pottery place. And it's supposed to be nice and cute. You know, we pick out some pottery, and we're painting it and things like that. And it's supposed to be sweet. And it would have been if it was any other time, but I was so nervous for what was going to come later on that I couldn't talk. So while Jody is sitting in front of me having a good time painting her little penguin, I'm sitting there, I can't speak, and I'm just sweating profusely. And, and I'm a kind of a chatty guy, so Jody thought there was something wrong and like we would need to go to the ER. She kept asking me, hey, do we need to go to the hospital? Because she was that worried. So that was strike one. The second part of the date was I was going to take her to this park, and we were going to walk around the flowers and chat and hold hands, and it was going to be nice and sweet. But it rained. I mean, it poured in the rain, and it was cold. So we went to a coffee shop, and I hate coffee. So we sat there for over an hour waiting for our dinner reservation. And because I was so nervous, I couldn't hold a conversation. So we mostly spent that time on our phones. I know, strike two. It's, it's a great date so far, okay? But things turned around when we went to the the restaurant. You see, while I had failed in the first two parts, this last one I got right. We went to the, the best and probably the most expensive restaurant in the city. I had a special booth picked out. There was rose petals all over the table and chocolate-covered strawberries there. I mean, it was a home-run hitter right there. It was perfect. It was also perfect in how it drained my bank account. <laughs> I... Uh, at the time, I was in college, so not only was I already broke, but the, I took extra shifts for months at the, the multiple jobs I was working, and I, I lived off of peanut butter sandwiches and Taco Bell and ramen to try to afford this, and I, I drained my bank account for this one special night. But it was worth it because I was in love. We kind of do that when we, we first fall in love in the early stages of a relationship, right? Like, we're all right with being awkward or uncomfortable or to do whatever we need to do to kind of express our love towards another human being, to let them know this is what matters or that you matter to me. I mean, sometimes, let's be honest, we lose that later on in life. But in the early stages of the relationship, it's exciting because we want to have everyone know that we love this individual. Uh, We've been going through the Gospel of John um, the past several weeks, and we've been seeing Jesus do this towards just about everyone he came in contact with. When people said, no, Jesus, you can't love this person, this is kind of the love that he showed, uh, of this love that has no excess, a love that says, hey, there's no boundaries. He just is exuberant in giving his love towards others. Well, as we've been journeying through John, we've been seeing that, but this morning we're going to see a different side of this love. We're going to see this love expressed toward Jesus instead of coming from him. And we find it in John chapter 12, verse 1. So if you turn there, and it's going to be on the screen, it says, Six days before the Passover, Jesus therefore came to Bethany, where Lazarus was whom Jesus had raised from the dead. So they gave a dinner for him there. Martha served, and Lazarus was one of those reclining with him at table. So right there, we kind of have our setting, okay? And so this is just a, a few days before Jesus dies, okay? So the whole story of John's gospel up to this point have kind of been random stories out of chronological order, but for the, here on out, 
John is very specific in the order of the details that's going to happen in the last week of Jesus' life. I mean, this is a very intense time. Okay, everyone is suspecting that something is bound to happen because Jesus is a wanted man. I mean, there's posters on the town right next to them in Jerusalem. People are looking for him to kill him, and he's kind of in hiding during this time. So there's a lot of tension. But Jesus also knows what's really going to happen, that he's going to face the world's evil and darkness and his own flesh and blood as his, broke, as his body's broken for us. He knows what's coming, so he's trying to use this week to kind of prepare everyone else for what's coming. And so he's having this dinner with some of his closest friends. And it's the people that we talked about last week when Jesus was here and he, he was, uh, Lazarus dead. And he did a miracle by bringing Lazarus from the grave. And you know, this is a very special family for Jesus. And they're here having this big celebration to kind of remember what Jesus has done. And so everyone's expressing love to Jesus in a different way. So Martha, she's kind of a busybody. She's expressing love by hospitality and, and her baked goods for Jesus. And then we have Lazarus, who, remember, was dead, and, and how he's expressing love towards Jesus. He's just chilling with Jesus. He's telling stories, laughing, having a good time, hanging out with Jesus and during this dinner. But there's a third sibling, if you recall, and her name's Mary. And when Mary comes on the scene, she responds in a completely different way and a different level than the rest of them on how she wants to express love toward Jesus for what he's done. And so this is what happens, verse 3. Mary, therefore, took a pound of expensive ointment made from pure nard and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. So, so picture this. Everyone's laughing and cutting up and having a good time. They're eating the, the cake and the other things that, that Martha's Mary, making. And, and then walks in Mary. And she's kind of observing in the back of the room, seeing Jesus laughing with Lazarus, thinking, my brother was dead a week ago, and now here he is. He's fully all right, and he's talking with Jesus. He's laughing with Jesus. And she's probably also thinking about every other time that Jesus ever came to town, and he, he kind of crashed with them. He, he did remarkable things like the woman he, he saved from adultery when everyone wanted to kill her, he stepped in to save her. About the blind man who everyone rejected, and here he was the one who healed him. Or the crippled who lived outside the city who wasn't even allowed to come in and be part of the, the family of God and Jesus went to him and healed him. I imagine she's probably thinking about every time he comes to town, he does something remarkable. And the final thing was he raised my brother from the dead. And so it's in that emotion where she runs forward and she takes this, this alabaster jar, she cracks it open and pours it out on Jesus' feet. And this ointment is rather special, okay? So this is something that would have been used as like a family heirloom or a personal investment. This is something that's incredibly expensive. It would take a minimum of years' wages to make. So either this is a family heirloom or this is something that she has completely drained her life savings to buy this one special gift for Jesus. And she has this plan in mind to give Jesus this gift by pouring it upon his feet, now, I don't know if you are aware of this, but Jesus was homeless. He kind of bounced from one town to the next, staying with random people. And in a desert, when you're homeless and, and you're walking around in sandals, your feet aren't going to smell nice, okay? To put it in perspective, last spring, I spent a couple of weeks in Israel, and I spent the entire time in sandals, and, and I discovered something. Even though we had indoor plumbing and I showered, you know, every day, my feet were still gross and they reeked. And Jesus has been doing this for decades with no indoor plumbing. I mean, this is the most unattractive part of Jesus was his feet. They're like hairy hobbit feet or something, okay? It's gross. 
But Mary doesn't care. No, instead she comes and she breaks this open and she pours it out upon Jesus' feet. And that's shocking because if people were to use this special gift, they'd use like tiny drops at a time and that's it. But not Mary. She has a plan in mind. She wants to show her love for Jesus so extreme that she breaks open the seal or this family heirloom. So everyone knows that she has just basically either drained her family's bank account or something that was a priceless heirloom given from their parents or grandparents or whatever, and she has poured it all out on Jesus' feet. And if that wasn't shocking enough, what's even more shocking is she lets down her hair and she starts to use it as the towel to wipe off Jesus' feet. And now that would be as shocking today as any other time. Because let's be honest, people like their hair. They like their hair to look a certain way, and no one wants feet in their hair. But Mary doesn't care. Because she's in this moment, she's, she's crying, she's pouring out the oil on the feet of Jesus, and she's wiping his feet for everything he's done in the past several years of how she is cha- or he has changed her life entirely. And everyone in the room would have been sitting there quietly, just shocked that this happens. But eventually someone does speak up. And what they say is, is not something good. It might seem like it's something good, but it's something cruel. And there's a dark heart behind it. And it comes in the next verse, verse 4, which reads, But Judas Iscariot, one of his disciples, he who was about to betray him, said, Why was this ointment not sold for 300 denarii? And given to the poor. If we ignore how John kind of tells us right there that Judas is going to be the one to betray Jesus, spoiler alert if you've never heard the story of Jesus, that's going to happen in a couple weeks. We would think that Judas is kind of being a smart guy. I mean, all the financial wizards of the day would be thinking the same thing of thinking, wow, this amount of money, this could have gone a long way to helping the poor in our area. This would have changed some people's lives. Why are you wasting it on this, this one moment that seems rather insignificant? And like I said, there are many of us who might be able to rationalize in the same way in that regard because this seems like a bad stewardship decision. This seems like, hey, you're not taking care of your finances. You need to be using this to to get yourself a better home or or a better cart for your donkey or whatever. I don't know. But you need to be using this to, to better your family. Why are you doing this? And if we didn't have that little line right there that says that Judas was the one who's going to betray Jesus, we might be thinking, yeah, let's, let's side with Judas. But Judas is not innocent here. There's a, a dark heart within him, and he's got some selfish, greedy tendencies, and we see that in the very next verse. Verse 6 that says, he said this not because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. And having charged the money bag, He used to help himself to what was put into it. See, Judas doesn't really care about the poor. He's thinking, wow, if she was to donate that to me, I could get a lot with that money. And so he's trying to manipulate Jesus, which is shocking because every week we've been kind of looking at a particular darkness in this world that Jesus has been facing, whether it was uh, marginalization, alienation, rejection, racism, whatever it is, that we've looked at multiple different circumstances where Jesus has stepped in those places to do battle against those evils. But the darkness here is not found outside of Jesus. It's found in the company of Jesus, which is shocking because Weeks ago, when we saw how the crowds were leaving Jesus because of what he was claiming to be or what he was saying was needed for their life, Judas remained. 
While other people mocked Jesus, Judas was right there, claiming to side with Jesus. Because he's thinking, I can manipulate this guy to get what I want out of him. I can manipulate Jesus. If I just follow him around enough, I hear a few of his teachings enough, I nod my head when I need to, or raise my hand when I'm called to or whatever, I can get by with this, and I can get what I want. That doesn't work well for Judas. And we're going to see that, especially in the next few weeks, how it's going to backlash on Judas. But Jesus knows Judas's heart. He's not caught off guard. He's known from the beginning that Judas is going to be the one to betray him, but he's still, he's still allowing Judas to follow him. And here he does kind of speak against Judas in defense of Mary. He says in verse 7, he says, Leave her alone so that she may keep it for the day of my burial. For the poor you have always with you, but you don't always have me. Jesus isn't bashing giving money to the poor here. That's not what he's doing. He's trying to get a perspective right. Because Mary has figured it out. That as Jesus for years keeps telling people, hey, I'm about to die for you guys. And everyone's like, oh yeah, sure Jesus. Mary's the only one who's, who's actually listening, who's figuring it out. And so she's doing this, not only in love for what he's done for her, but, but to also honor what's about to come and what she's realized what he's about to do. Because this ointment is a kind of ointment that they would have used to to take care of bodies that were killed. And so she's giving it to Jesus to show that she recognizes what's going on. And this is only the highlight of what makes this dinner so scandalous. Because remember, Jesus is a wanted man. Everyone wants him. Everyone wants him killed. He's kind of in hiding. And so here's this family throwing this private party for Jesus. And what they're doing is they're giving their allegiance to Jesus. They're taking care of Jesus. They're showing him love in a variety of different ways. With Mary giving love in a way that is so much more extreme than everyone else. In a way that we ourselves can model. Because here's what I think this is trying to say to us. Love spares no expense. Let me say that again. Love spares no expense. Martha showed that. Lazarus showed that. Mary certainly showed that by what she did for Jesus. Not expecting anything in return, just to do it. We can do the same thing. Now, others are not going to be, they're not going to be the biggest fan that, of what you do to express love towards God or towards people. I mean, chances are, People might look at you weird when you say, hey, I got to do this for Jesus. Or I got to do this because Jesus wants me to do this. And because I love him, I want to do what he wants me to do. People are going to look at you weird for that. I mean, there might be some people who mock you for that. There might be some people who who argue against you uh, uh, for your love for Jesus and what you feel like you got to do for Jesus. But here's the honest truth. The vast majority of people really don't care. Now, that might sound contradictory to what I just said, but let me clarify what I'm saying here. If you're coming to this place because you think you can get something out of it, or because you think I will look like a better person to everyone outside if they know I come to church, then let me be honest with you, nobody cares. That's the day and age we live in. 
where people don't really care what you believe as long as what you believe doesn't step on their toes. Because when you love Jesus, not everyone's going to be a fan of that. Not everyone's going to care about that. So if you put a lot of effort into something, uh, to this relationship, because you think other people are going to look at you differently, other people are going to like you, other people are going to appreciate what you do, no one's going to hand out any awards because you come to church. This should be a place where you come because you love Jesus and you want to have more of Jesus in your life. And so that's what we want to be. Not everyone's going to care because this is something truly special. So don't put effort into it because you want other people to know that you're a Christian or because you think it gives you any benefits. Put effort into it because you love Jesus and you believe love spares no expense. So you're willing to do things differently. You're willing to, to give when no one else is willing to give. You're willing to be present when no one else is willing to be present. Like I said, some people might look at you weird for that. But that's all right. Because love spares no expense. And maybe it's time we practice that. Because I bet that there are people in your life who could benefit if you were to practice this lesson to those around you. That it would change your relationships. And you don't even have to be a Christian to do this. To show others that love spares no expense. So let me give you some examples. Maybe for you who are married, maybe this week you need to find some way to spoil your spouse. Take them out on a date. Tell them how much they mean to you. Tell them that you're proud of them, that you love them. And then tell other people what you think of your spouse in a positive manner of how you love them and how you're proud of them. Now, I know what some of you might be thinking. You don't know my spouse. I mean, they're mean, they're abusive, they're insultive. You know, they don't deserve me saying that, especially what, what they did last night. And you might be thinking that, and your arm might be around them, or you might be holding their hand right now and smiling, but in your mind, you're thinking that of like, I don't want to treat my spouse that way. Look, the easy thing would be to treat them harsh, to give them the cold shoulder, because that's what they've been doing to you. That's the easy thing. But you know what Jesus would do in that situation? He would continue to love them and honor them. And that's what we want to encourage you to do as well. Because bad character, responding to bad character, only leads to more bad character. But good character, responding to bad character, has the potential to take what's bad and turn it into good. And so maybe what's the key to changing your spouse's heart is having your heart change towards them that you're willing to show that love spares no expense for your relationship with your spouse. And this goes beyond a marriage relationship as well. Let's take the example of parents or siblings or, or friends, okay? Now, I understand some of you have a, a strange uh, relationship with your parents and you're not on good terms because whatever childhood mess that happened in your life, I get that. So maybe what it takes to, to come to this point of saying love spares no ex expense is that you just become open to the idea of reconciliation in the future. Maybe, parents, how you can do this for your kids is some night this week, instead of what's going to be typical of everyone in their own little rooms, on their phones, and their own devices, you know, just in their own separate little worlds, this week, for one night, you bring everyone together in the same room, and you play a game or something together. Do something fun together. And during that time, parents, you tell your, your kids how much you love them, 
listen to their days, what's going on in their life. I mean, parents, you can do this. And this might be the key to saving your kid. And kids, you can do this as well for your parents, or, or any of you, you can do this as well for your parents. Write them a card showing how much you appreciate what they, they do. Tell them thank you for how they feed you and put a, a roof over your head. Don't take those things for granted. Because if love spares no expense, then let's show that. Because typically, we will take advantage of the people in our own homes and assume that they know we love them without them ever hearing it from us. You never believe how many problems we have in this world because someone had a parent or they had a kid who, who didn't tell them that they, they loved them or that they were proud of them. And so they end up going down this dark road that could have been avoided if that parent or that kid had just simply been honest saying, hey, I love you and I don't express that enough. Parents, this could save your kids and kids, this could save your household. And you could do this even if your kid has already moved out of the house. Write them a card. Say, hey, I love you. Here's the positive things about your character that I'm proud that you possess. Let's just stop assuming that people know we love them and let's prove it. Because the world needs it. Guys, this world is getting more and more dangerous to live in. It doesn't even matter if you're a Christ follower. Just to be human is difficult these days. Every one of us is going through battles. Every one of us is going through life where something is being taken from us, where it's hard. And what we need around us is those people who remind us that we are loved. And this doesn't even have to be your family. You can do this with friends as well. Give a friend a gift this week. Spend some time with them. Let them know that you love them. Because this might just save a life. Because we don't do this enough. We just coast through life assuming that those around us know we love them. Let's be bold. And you don't have to be a Christian to do this. Now, because we're Christians, let me put the extra layer on you. Let me challenge you. When was the last time that love spared no expense between you and Jesus? When was the last time you gave anything to Jesus? Now, some of you might be thinking, well, I came to church. If this is all that your relationship is with Jesus is uh, an hour on Sunday morning, and some of you, you only come once a month, that's not enough. Because this relationship with Jesus must be the most important relationship in your life. And it will affect every single relationship in life. And so it's, it matters that you're investing in your relationship with Jesus. And so us at the Bluff, we want to encourage you guys. We want to help equip you guys and empower you guys to take ownership of your own relationship with Jesus because this cannot be all that there is. So we want to challenge you. Which is why if you walked in, if you notice on all the chairs, there are two little cards. And here's what I want you to do. It's pretty simple if you read one of those cards. You put your name, your phone number, and you just put how much time this week you want to spend with Jesus. Because I'm not only challenging you to show in your relationships this week that, that love spares no expense and gratitude and love and appreciation to them. I'm going to ask, would you be willing to do the same to Jesus? Of just spending a little bit of time with them. No, I'm not making a pitch for joining a service group or, or 
giving money to the church, those are all great and wonderful things. And I think if you call the bluff home, then maybe you should be doing those things, okay? But what I'm encouraging you is to be willing to give your time this week to Jesus. Of willing to say, hey, I spend time with friends. I spend time with family. I spend time with my kids or spouse or whatever. But I don't actually spend time with the most important relationship in my life. And that's the one I have with Jesus. Then we want to challenge you this, this week, make a difference. Challenge you this week to, to make a commitment to something different. So on those cards, be specific. Write down the exact amount of time this week you want to spend with Jesus. And then figure out for yourself how you want to split that up. Now I get it, it's going to look different for everybody. Okay? For some of you, you might be like, hey, I'm going to do one big time on Saturday or something like that because I have some free time, and that's all right. Others, you might want to do 10 or 15 minutes a day. Others, I don't really know. Figure it out for yourself because everyone's different. For me, I like to do small little nuggets of time with Jesus throughout my day to remind myself that he's still with me. For others, I know, for instance, my dad, he goes to, sh- goes to work about 20 or 30 minutes early so he can sit in the parking lot and read and pray. Others, I know, like to do it in the evenings. Whatever your schedule is, if you want to have a relationship with Jesus, then put some effort into it. Make a commitment to it. Because this is the most important relationship of your life, and it will affect every other relationship in your life. I promise you that. Now, here's where the real challenge is, because you might be wondering, there's two cards here, and I fill out one. What am I supposed to do with the other? This is the really challenging part. This is the, the part I'm excited about. In a minute here, we're going to sing. The band's going to come back up. They're going to play. And it's during that time, I want you on that second card that you've written the exact same thing on to go to someone else in this room and give them that card as well. Saying, hey, this is the commitment I'm making with Jesus. Will you hold, hold me accountable for that? I don't care what age you are. You could be in fifth grade or you could be 105. I don't care. If you have a commitment to Jesus, you can do this. And I encourage you, give it to someone else. Now, I know what some of you are thinking. Oh, this is weird. This is uncomfortable. I don't want to get up while we're singing and move around the room. I get that. I see that temptation. Ignore it. Overcome it, people. Let's be brave. Let's be bold. And I'm going to be doing the same thing because I want to lead you to be brave. So I'm going to be brave as well because I want my relationship with Jesus to matter as well, which is why I've not filled out just two cards. I filled out several to give it to people. Because I want to hold, have multiple people hold me accountable. Because if I'm going to lead you guys, I want other people holding me accountable that I'm investing in my one-on-one relationship with Jesus, which is I'm hoping that you'll be doing as well. So be brave. And I understand the temptation to, to just hand it over to your spouse. <laughs> that would be easy. And that's not a bad thing. But let's, let's be brave to, to go outside of our comfort zone. Because we will grow more if we don't take the easy route, if we take the uncomfortable route, which is why I'm not even going to give my spouse one of these. It's not that I don't love her. It's because I want to be true when I give you guys a commitment to do the exact same thing. So I'm not giving my spouse one because that would be the easy option. Now, you can do that, but I encourage you not to. Let's be serious about following Jesus. Let's, let's hold each other accountable for that. Now, I recognize that there are probably people in this room or listening online who aren't Christians or aren't followers of Jesus, and you might be thinking, well, this doesn't apply to me. I I encourage you, even if you don't understand everything you read or you don't believe everything, try this out. 
Because spending time reading your Bible and praying will have a positive effect on your week. It's going to affect your stress level. It's going to affect the circumstances in your life and how you respond to them. And you might also be thinking, hey, um, I don't even know where to begin. Hey, don't worry. We figured that out for you as well. Because out there on the hub, there are these little things called the bluff reading guide. I created this week for you guys of giving a short little example of how you could read the Bible, whether it's for 10 minutes or for an hour, whatever you want to do, to take time. If you're like, hey, I have no idea where to begin, pick up one of these. We've got your back. We believe you can do this. Last Sunday, I led the future small group leaders in our church. I led them through the same guide, and we had a positive experience through this. So you could do this as well. Pick it up at the hub if you want a copy. Because this, this matters. I can't say that enough. Because if you're just coasting on by, feeding off of someone else's relationship with Jesus, thinking, I just come to church, I'm just going to sit here, I'll sing a few songs, and I'll leave, and I'm perfectly all right, you are missing out on something truly special. Because my goal for you guys is to get to the next level, to become world changers, kingdom workers. And that doesn't happen because you have a few talents and special gifts that you share. It happens when you have a, a relationship with Jesus. Because you might have a heart and desire saying, God, I want to do something big for you. And I think he might respond of, why would I trust you with something big if you won't even give me a few minutes of your time every day? Love spares no expense. And our world is dying around us because we have forgotten how to give it. We've forgotten how to give it to Jesus. We've forgotten how to give it to our other relationships. I mean, marriages are growing cold and distant. Friends are, are losing touch because they lose appreciation for each other. Kids are growing up and rebelling and going down dark paths because we as parents are failing to show them love or to let them know that they are loved. I believe these problems can be changed if we're just brave enough to say, hey, I love you and I want to show you this week that it's true. And here at the bluff, that's what we believe. We believe that we are called to love God and love people at no expense. Which means sometimes we're going to do things weird. Sometimes we're going to be unpopular because we're going out of our way to love God and love people with a love that says we have no expense on our love because we give our time first and foremost to Christ because he is the most important thing and that will then branch off to affect every other relationship in our lives. And you can do this. We can do this. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't even matter if you're a guest. You might be thinking, I I'm just visiting. I don't, this is weird. I don't want to be part of this. I strongly recommend you be brave even if it's just to go and get one of these, and you may never come back, just go and get one of these and make a personal commitment with yourself. I want to spend this amount of time with Jesus. And so like I said, we're going to pray, and during that time, we're going to stand up and sing. And I encourage you, go to someone and give them one of your cards. And if you want to give more people cards, that is perfectly all right. I mean, there's some empty seats around the room. You can take one of those cards and fill it out as well. If there's multiple people you want to hold accountable. And if you are given a card, that's a high honor that you have. It means that you have a responsibility this week to contact the person, whether you call them or text them saying, hey, how are you doing with Jesus this week? I mean, if we check on each other about our careers or about our marriage relationships, we should be checking on each other about the most important relationship in our lives. So don't, don't take that for granted if someone gives you a card. And yes, you can have multiple cards. 
Now, some of you, let's be honest, you might not get a card. Don't be upset about that. Instead, see it as a blessing. Because it means that this week, you have less distractions between you and Jesus. That you can focus just you and Jesus, making sure you and Jesus are on good terms. So let's be the place that shows that love spares no expense. And let's do it for our relationship with Jesus, and let's do it for those around us as well. So let's pray. And like I said, when the band comes up here to sing, feel free to get up out of your seats and pass this to someone else, because that's what I'll be doing. And I encourage you guys to do the same thing. Let's pray. Father God, thank you just so much for who you are. The past several weeks, we've been talking about all the many things you've done for us, all the many battles you have fought on our behalf, but this week is special where we talk about what we can give back toward you. So let us show appreciation for who you are. For the many battles you fight in our lives, let us show appreciation for going back to you. Even if we just spare five minutes of our day to say, Jesus, we love you, please help us which is the cry of my heart right now, Father, that we love you and we ask that you continue to help us. It's in your name I pray, amen. in your 
just want you and nothing else and nothing else and nothing else will do I just want you and nothing else and nothing else nothing else will do just one. 